Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Sarah Pascoe. Hello, I'm Carrie Lloyd, And we're weird about books. We love to read. We read too much. We talk too much. About the too much that we've read. Which is why we've created the, the Weirdos, Weirdos Book Club. Join us! A space for the lonely outsider to feel accepted and appreciated. A place for the person who'd love to be in a real book club, but doesn't like wine or nibbles. Or being around other people. Is that you? Join us. Check out our Instagram, at Sarah and Carrie Ads Weirdos Book Club, for the upcoming books we're going to be discussing. You can read along. And share your opinions. Or just skulk around in your raincoat like the weirdo you are. Thank Thank you for reading with us. We We like reading with you. This week's book guest is In Watermelon Sugar by Richard Brautigan. What's it about? In Watermelon Sugar is set in the aftermath of a fallen civilization. There's a commune called I Death. They're trying to live in peace in the shadow of a violent past. What qualifies it for the Weirdos Book Club? Well, the main character has no name. Everything in the commune is made of watermelon sugar or trout juice. And they talk about carrots a lot. In this episode, we discuss hippies, Harry Styles, beat poets, sad childhoods, and having your girlfriend on the front cover. And joining us this week is John Kearns. John is an award-winning comedian, the only person to have won Best Newcomer and then Best Show at the Edinburgh Fringe in concurrent years. He is also Sarah Pascoe's able assistant on Dave's Guessable. And he was a contestant on the 14th series of Taskmaster, and today he's agreed to read a very weird novel with us. We have a trigger warning. In this episode, there are references to suicide. John Kurtz! John Kurtz! Thanks for having me. Hello. Thank you so much for being here to discuss In Watermelon and Sugar by Richard Bortigan. Yeah, if we are even really here, maybe oh. we're actually in a place called iPodcast I- Studio. <laughs> yeah. I play a death podcast yeah. studio. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I, John Kearns. <laughs> John Kearns, yeah. I, Kearns. John That's Kearns. What I'm call you. I, Kearns and I, Pasco. Yeah. Before we booked you... Yeah. When we were trying to find a date, there was some trepidation that you didn't want a long book. So we chose a really short one. A light is light. Look at it. It's, you oh. could pop that in a, a top pocket of a, a suit yep. jacket. Yeah, you wouldn't even crease Which your I, shirt up, would you? Yeah. Which yeah. I have done. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's it's, pre- it's pretty, I mean, I say one, one, 140 pages. Some Ooh, of them are just half, halves or thirds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that. Those Not pages even full. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. So we chose yeah. you the shortest book we could. Yep. How'd you get on? Percy, <laughs> <laughs> we should How'd start with a little bit about what it's about. Okay, sorry. Before let's, we just... let's be kind to John before we... Okay, 
So in watermelon sugar. In watermelon sugar. Watermelon sugar. I know. Hi. Um, which Have is, you had that in your head the yes, whole time? The whole time. The Harry Styles tune. Yeah. Which was inspired by this well, book, the title of the book. Yes. Here's the thing. Yeah. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. All right. I'm with you. Just, just. So I just want you to know. The song, I don't know. Which the song say. is not inspired yes. by it. No. He saw it on the side. Yes. He yeah, saw yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. And stole the title and hadn't read the book. Whereas, it, despite its lightness, exactly. Styles couldn't even be asked to do a hundred. Even on a pages. lunch break, recording his album. <laughs> What's he reading on his phone? Also, surely you'd have to read it because imagine if someone was like, "Oh, that book is really offensive, Harry." Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. You'd read it. Maybe oh, one of his heavy, people read yeah, it. That's a book about slavery. Why have you yeah. called your song "Watermelon <laughs> Sugar" over and over again? Watermelon yeah. Sugar. Exactly. It's a great phrase. So. So it's written by Richard There's Bordigan. some very excited dads who've written articles about the fact that Richard Brautigan has been brought back into fashion oh, by I Harry see. Styles. But he hasn't. No. And he wasn't. And it's nothing to do with the book. Well, those are excited dads. They're just hoping their youth <laughs> comes back, aren't they? But it's not. It's not. It's about a man who lives in a place called IDEF, which is made of watermelon sugar and trout juice. Trout oil. <laughs> trout oil. And pine. Something's and a pine. pine. And it's uh, sort of a commune and i would say it's a very um it was published in 1968 and it's very very summer of love end of 60s slightly trippy you don't quite know what's real perhaps we could all live on a commune together and maybe that would be fine yeah, it's dream dream like surrealism short chapters um just for john uh not too long <laughs> nice and nice and quick abrupt ending abrupt ending so yeah if you haven't heard of watermelon sugar that's roughly the story it's about a man living on a sort of commune in a shed and the people who live there that's basically yeah what it's about how'd you get on <laughs> how'd you get on first off I'm am a slow reader. Yeah, I think it's because you absorb it properly. Yeah, Thank you. the Thank first you. time we're fast well, we went readers, to Melbourne we and you were reading it. John Gray. So I know you read heavy books, meaningful books. I do, and you think about what you've read. I I, I, I do <laughs> do think about what I've read, but I buy um, I buy books thinking that's definitely what I need in my brain. Mm -hmm. Those are the thoughts I need that will challenge me, mm. and then I crack it open and. By the end of page one, I'm like, mm. <laughs> don't want to be challenged. I'm not who I am. <laughs> what the problem was, so when I went, yeah, give me something short if that's all right. The shorter the book, the more meaning there yeah, is. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. The like thing a is, poem, right? Exactly. <laughs> the shortest yeah. book of all. Yeah. <laughs> Full of meaning. Yeah. You are Seamus Heaney. Those are not. Those are not light. Yeah. No, they're not. It was true. But like, so I thought, you know, I thought if you give me like something 600 pages, I'm like, that is a lot of rope mm. for me to, um, you know, do some damage to myself. So I thought if it's short, I can get my head around it. Yeah. But we sent you a short psychedelic novel. Well, no, you've sent me a psychedelic novel <laughs> yeah. that is a parable. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I read a New York Times review of it from mm. the time. Mm. Oh, yes, yes. I read that. They said it cannot be summarised. <laughs> well, I disagree. I just did it. Well, you did it actually. I'm, I'm looking at you going, yeah, that's what that is. It's what basically, it was about. about. Yeah. But that ignores any meaning. I'm just telling but, you. But literally I, would, what I would argue that <laughs> yeah. that is true of all books. Yeah, because if they could be summarised, you could tweet it. You wouldn't need to write yeah. an entire book. Exactly. That's very surely. True. Well, you could tweet the book. If any book could be summarised fairly, 
it's not fair to summarise any book. I feel like that's too big a question for John and we're going to get stuck on that and I need to get back to okay, the book. That, sorry, question, back, that question itself was made from watermelon sugar. Because we haven't well, that's actually the thing got... with this book. I mean, you know, Jesus Christ, you're reading it, you think you're onto something, you're like, finally, I get what's going. And then he goes, <laughs> and I put my mug down on the table that was made of watermelon sugar. You're like, yeah. what the fuck is he talking about? But it tells you right at the beginning. Oh, so everything is made of watermelon. Like, everything yeah, is cups, made of watermelon. Yeah. Yeah. For the listener. Yeah, desks. But, but the reason is because everything that they have is made out of watermelon sugar and everything they have is life. Yeah. Easy. I mean, he says what's, that what's right at yeah. the beginning. So yes, he life. says it at the beginning. Life Imagine is my joy when I read that. <laughs> right, what's this book I'll be giving it? Page one, everything's made out of watermelon sugar. We right. make a great many things out of watermelon sugar here. I'll tell you about it, including this book being written near I Death. All this will be gone into, travelled in watermelon sugar. Yeah. Yeah. There are people listening now going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 1968, mate. 1968. Yep. Well. He, he was a beat poet. The last of yes. the beat poets yeah. he's known as. So yeah. he was at a time where you could write everything's made of watermelon sugar and people wouldn't go, what? They went, yeah. Well, you say that because <laughs> this is a heavy influence to the Mighty Boosh, mm. which is a much more modern incarnation of everything's made of watermelon sugar. The scene, there's only one scene I find annoying. Oh, yeah. Because I really like this book. You really like this book. Okay. Should I tell you why? It reminds me of CBD. As in, like, very. <laughs> you were going to say CBDs when it went off. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's CBDs. CBDs. Like, but it's like oh. what, a watermelon theme for the week. <laughs> so the you know, oil. Yeah, have you taken CBD oil before bed? I know, I know of its effects. You know, you know of its effects. So, you know, your brain's not switched off. <laughs> yeah, but it sort of like mellows it. You're not high. No. But you're slightly lazier. That, that sop- sugar. soporific high. feeling is how I feel about this book. Mm. Well, look, I, I, may have, I may have given the wrong impression. Oh. I, I did not like this book. All right. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. It's not. It's it's hard not to like to actively dislike it. I think, mm. but it is. You can be frustrated by it, like all good beat beatniks. <laughs> you well, like them, yeah. but get a job. Come on, shave, <laughs> shave your beard. What's going on? <laughs> so, but there was a segment I found annoying. Oh yes, it's only because it reminded me of a sort of a kind of man in a nightclub. Mm-hmm. Who won't tell you his real name? Oh God! Yeah, this bit. This bit. <laughs> so it's like, uh, oh yes. If you're thinking about something that happened a long time ago, somebody asked you a question, you did not know the answer. That is my name. <laughs> Perhaps it was raining very hard. That is my name. But that's directly. T- that's there's a mighty Boosh scene yeah. where a character oh, yeah. does that whole thing of like. I've forgotten that. Yeah. Your name's Richard. That's well, your name. <laughs> I first heard of this author on a podcast, Rich, um, Robin Ince and Josie's Book Shambles, and it was Noel Fielding saying this was his favourite author. That explains a lot, doesn't yes. it? Yes, so I, I can wanted see to say, that... while it's not the 60s, people do still make... Oh, yes, yeah, still like Play that. with meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a comedic way. Yes, I can completely Did you think that. it was funny, John? I did. I did find it funny. It reminds... It... Right, where do I begin <laughs> with this thing? <laughs> uh, okay, the one thing I liked about it... Uh, Surrealism could put people off, maybe. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. massively. Oh yeah. Um, I wouldn't if if I wouldn't have read this book if I hadn't um, had to. I was going to say be made or had to. Contractually obliged. Yeah. Too awkward to get out of it the night before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and it's not something you can bluff. This podcast, yeah, no, you can't bluff it. I, you you have to. You, you have to read it. You've got to do your Crucially, homework. Crucially, yeah. For anyone listening to this, maybe a future guest or something. Yeah. Read the book. You've got to read it. <laughs> So what I liked about it, and I think I don't, I don't want to make this navel gazing into uh, maybe what a stand-up comedian does, but if you are surreal in your stand-up, mm. you got to root it somehow. Yes, and all the dialogue is funny. 
Yeah, think. yeah, yeah. It's quite uh, flat. Yeah, quite, it's childlike. Quite, it's very childlike. Naive, it, yeah. Well, but it's funny bit, you say that because yeah. it reminded me of, it's almost deadpan, so it reminded yeah. me of like John Classen books. Like, um, oh, I yeah. want my hat back yeah, and all yeah. that. Just this kind of... I love him. It reminded me of children playing at being grown-ups. That, would you like some pie? I've made some pie. Well, pie it, is better than carrots. No, the amazing David, it's, bit it's when... It's like yes. Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah yes. Yeah. It's very Twin Peaks when it says about um, Al always cooks carrots and then Pauline makes a stew. And there's a bit where like somebody says, at least it wasn't carrots. And everyone goes... And Al goes, what? And they're like... The stew is nice. <laughs> like it's like, don't tell Al that we don't like his. But carrots. then when Al does cook the carrots in his defence, delicious. Yeah, delicious they sound there's caramelised. Yeah, that's what that, that yeah. I think. I think also the use of food in it. Mm, there's loads of again food in it. roots it because you read it going like there's a when they describe breakfast. Mm. I, I don't know. Maybe I was hungry when I read the book. Yeah, the hotcakes. <laughs> he he made some mm. hotcakes and hash yeah, browns, yeah. and I was like. That sounds fantastic. No, and yeah. also, do you want another one? Yeah, you want another one. Pauline's oh. going to make you another hotcake. Oh, yeah, she's a great yeah. cook, apparently. Um, so, like, the the dialogue that they have and what they eat is just very grounding. Yeah, it's so almost then, like English as a second language, isn't it? Like, you'd read in a textbook of, like, that was nice, thank you, also thank you, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah, a language textbook. But that's funny, yes. you know, that's yeah, like, yeah. you know, you're reading that kind of, you know, I was chuckling away. Um Never said that in my life. <laughs> Chuckling away. But the, um, the, there is a, and a, you know, I presume um, anyone reading this won't mind spoilers or anything. Oh, no, no, we're spoiling but, um, About three quarters of the way through, a uh, character, character called Margaret. Oh, uh, Margaret's hilarious. <laughs> she is hilarious. I The first mention of Margaret had me chuckling away oh yeah that's very yes. funny when that's very he's funny he's describing someone basically coming to knock on his door he doesn't open it and he, she particularly stands on the same board of a bridge creaky board creaky board I can walk across the bridge hundreds of times without stepping on that board but Margaret always steps on it <laughs> you just go I feel I've got a vibe with Margaret yeah. from that one sentence so very, it, that, yeah that really mate that, I loved that so that you're going to talk about the trauma of Margaret's ending well <laughs> is that she, what you're going to talk about um she commits suicide. Mm. She hangs herself. Mm-hmm. The way it's described in there mm. by the narrator, who yeah. whose doesn't name, have a name, whose name we don't know, yeah. um, is childlike. Mm. But so is the death of his parents. Yes, who are eaten by tigers. Yes, who... So, uh, yes, uh, so the tigers... Who then do maths with him. Yeah, help him with his arithmetic. Uh, they, play, they play trumpets. <laughs> they've got, uh, they've got good voices. voices. They've got yes. good voices. Yeah. Well, someone said it's like... Are they tigers or is this, they use the word tigers, but it's a humans in a different form, but that's the word they use, but we're humans that use tigers as meaning an animal. So yeah. again, nothing is nothing is grounded in that way. Like you're never quite sure. How, so how do means. you read it? Because I, I, there is obviously, as soon as you read that there's these tigers that uh, eat his parents and then mm. help him with his maths homework, obviously your first thought is, oh, what is this an allegory of and all that stuff. Yeah. But I actually found it, much easier. Yeah, I didn't think allegory to, straight away. No, I, I imagined tiger. tigers. Yeah, I was yeah. like tigers. Uh, now we've yeah. we've got uh, we we have children. Yeah, um, we all probably have a copy of uh, the Tiger Who Came to Yeah, Tea yeah, yeah. It's my son's favourite book. Oh, brilliant. That's all I'm picturing. I'm picturing yeah. that guy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But drank all of Dan's uh, beer. Time to eat your parents. Yeah, I have to tell him not. He says that on the bus a lot. Dan's yeah. beer, and I'm like, <laughs> it's from the book. It's from the book. Mine says it's quite it as well. sexist. That book. It is. Daddy's it's very, beer. very old. It was written a long time ago. Yeah, it's a beautiful book. Yeah, Kay, uh, always being, defending sexism. <laughs> I'll defend it till the, till the women come home, as they should. <laughs> I'll defend it till the women come home. Come on, I'll march on that. Yeah. I will march on that. <laughs> I've written horror is described with exaggerated civility. Oh, that's a very good sentence, Thank Sarah Pascoe. You. you should be right. Can I tell you why I don't think it's allegory? Because mm. I death, which obviously is before Apple. Yes, before iPlayer and iPods. It is talked about, and I'm probably going to misremember, I think it might be Carl Jung, but as ego death. So if you take ego out of everything, you have a life quite similar to this one in Mm. Watermelon Sugar. Yeah, yeah. With the In Boyle gang. So we should say there's a person called In Boyle. Yes. Who is the brother He's sort of a baddie. He is a definite baddie, yeah. He is a baddie. He goes and makes whiskey and 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 hangs out with the forgotten works, which you take to be... Yes, and the whiskey's made from forgotten things, which in some ways made it even more stinky. It was really real and disgusting, wasn't it? Yeah, they seemed gross, those guys. Yeah. They seemed a bit insane. And there's threatening threatening behaviour from them, which is completely self-directed when it does finally happen. Yes, that there is a horrific scene where they kind of march on the camp of death. To shout and say that this is a lie, this is fake. But that's why I thought it was about ego death, because they're saying, you don't know I death, this is all a joke, you're not even mm. doing I death, this is I death. And, and they start chopping off their own ears and noses and thumbs. Faces, and they basically, yeah. yes, they chop this themselves is, up. This is ego death, like literally the death mm. of the self. I, It's really, I mean, God, you, it's one of those books you could put anything onto it because it is so allegorical and simple. But this is a question for everybody. I don't know if he knows I don't feel like Richard Boyd oh, knows. The writer I, is in no, control. I don't I think so. I think he's just putting down <laughs> it's nice. this stuff that's coming out of his head. Yeah. And because, you know, in 1968... And, and he also, he does tell you at the end how quickly he wrote it. Pretty bloody, bloody quickly. Three months. Yeah. yeah. And he apparently, he did this in all of his books. He would write how much, and it was a kind of a brag. And he would also, on the cover of all of his books, have a picture of himself and his current girlfriend. Oh, yeah, the muses. Yeah. I read an article or started to read an article by a man saying how nice it was that at least the women who inspired it were actually sort of photographed. No, it was whoever he was with at the time. Oh, they they weren't inspired. Like, And the the first book that he's very famous for, Trout Fishing in America. Yes, I've read that one as well. The woman on that, that became very well known. So the girlfriend at the time, Watermelon Sugar, like went to quite an effort. For her picture, because she knew this was about to become one of those 1960s oh, pictures where people go, oh, you're so-and-so from that mm. book cover. Yeah. So there's that going on as well. And he was accused very much of um, not being particularly great with his female relationships. And he also came from a very, lots of trauma in his background as well. But my feeling, I don't, yeah, do mm. you agree? I don't think he's... I don't think he knows what he means by watermelon. So it doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't put, matter. It can matter to you. The, He's putting the tracks down. Yeah. You know, like when Gromit's on yes. the train. <laughs> yeah. I think he's doing that. Yeah, but he's not expecting to know where he's going. So I, the other word I wrote down, and I hate that I wrote this down, is jazz. <laughs> and I hate I, that. I've never wrote down that word. Okay. I hate it. My dad's a jazz musician. I've got a jazz dad. I hate jazz. I love jazz. Okay, so this is jazz improvisation, which is that you Yes, set, it is, you play, it is. I agree with you. And, and the people who do it <laughs> consider themselves geniuses, whether it is or not. Look, but the thing is, the, the amazing thing about watching it happen is laying down some notes and motifs and sounds and then strengthening them. And that's what this book does. 
Margaret, it is Margaret's story mm. and you don't see that coming. It sets up really small details about the watermelon sugar, about the watermelons. Oh, the watermelons are different colours every day. It's the same colour as the sun. The sun changes yeah. colour, yeah. There's such coherence in the way that those things are built up. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not, we it's find not out done lazily. So there's a statue of a parsnip over there. You la- later on finding out about... Lots like, of know, vegetables. Yeah, the obsession with vegetables. Think- well, there's a Beach Boys album called Smile, mm-hmm. and there's a track called Vegetables. Oh, yeah. And um, I've, I've, I've always been baffled by it. It's like uh, the way Brian Wilson phrases it. He goes, vegetables, and then it goes into <laughs> furniture, and it's just absolutely bonkers. bonkers. But I was reminded of that reading this book like that Beach Boys album specifically which is again late 60s mm. and I mean I don't know you, you obviously don't want to well you can't help it but it is very much a book of its time very much of its time and, yeah definitely you know the book is basically going why can't we all live where <laughs> you know, everyone just gets on and lives a nice kind of but tranquil it is saying that but, but it isn't saying that. That's why I think it's, it's interesting because they then all chop themselves up and well, it's not a safe Because even if there's even if the tigers have all been burned and there's just a trout hatchery, still you break someone's heart and that description yeah. of Margaret sort Margaret's of standing on nothing yeah. in the air, sort of the end of Margaret yeah. and her heartbreak. And the point is... And he replaces her like that with yeah. no feelings. And he feelings. keeps saying it doesn't matter. Yeah. And even like when her brother finds out she's dead, it's like, ah, what was to be done? She was heartbroken. Yeah. So, yeah, the the brother's reaction is cold. Which is why I think, because all of the death, whether it's your parents being eaten by mm. tigers or it's your sister or it's the in Boyle gang, they don't have emotional reactions. Yeah, there's not there's not consequences. I read another thing saying, or oh, like it predicts the end of the 60s and the kind of, you know, the horribleness that started I coming did, that, into. But I, I don't know if it, yeah, I don't know the, if that's, again, people projecting things. But the reading on it, if you were alive in the 60s and someone said, he's really summing up here and now, yeah. you'd go... What the what? <laughs> yeah. This is not. I go to yeah. work. Yeah. I clean the car. Yeah, yeah. What does this what's guy this do? do with, what's this got to do with me? Mm. So I read again something I thought was quite helpful. Uh, mm. This is Ryan Britt, genre in the mainstream, Richard Bortigan's in Watermelon Sugar. He said, like many of Bortigan's work, he asserts his absurd premises with almost aggressive casualness. Sounds like mm. a paradox, but it's completely true. And I thought that was a really good way of summing it up. Of like, there is such a casualness. Yeah. To this absurdity, to people dying, your tigers mm. eating your parents and living on a commune. But it doesn't feel like he is knowingly saying, oh, there's something wrong with the world and I'm allegorically telling you about it. It didn't, yeah, it didn't feel like that he had a message he needed to give you. It, what it reminded me of was, you know, in Edinburgh, <laughs> and I know we would bring it back too much to the Edinburgh Festival, but when someone gets a review of like being like a gentle comedian, like oh, yeah. wonderful hour, lovely, lovely storyteller, mm. nice gentle show, because there were times where I thought, he could have like really banged in a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't make, makes a conscious decision not to. The the phrases I loved where he would slightly use the wrong word. Yeah. So the tigers were in bloom. Yeah. I really loved. Or how his father raised watermelons. <laughs> this they're, they're almost the exact right word, and we yeah. know exactly what you mean. But there's this lovely. Her smile was the colour of her nipples. <laughs> it, it's yeah. it's so nice because you know he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, he's, he's a good not pushing writer. It, but he's not pushing it too far. There's a that's what I mean about the the cohesiveness of it. He is restrained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a poet as well, mm. and I think you can, like you said, we're joking. It's short, but, but maybe it his poems short. were too funny, and that's why he had to yeah, go write a bit, write some silly books. Now he became. If he, if, imagine if you were reading it out. Her her smile was the colour of her nipples, and everyone's <laughs> laughing. Her smile was the colour of her nipples. <laughs> 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. He became massively unpopular in the 70s and 80s. Oh. And as we should, I'm sure most people, he's quite famous for oh. having killed himself in I the know, 80s. Like Hemingway did. Yeah, but he, he really fell Hemingway. out of favour because what? it's so, of its time, because it's so psychedelic. And so then his um, novel writing obviously became about gritty and realism and like what's happening. And then obviously this, oh, it's what a many sugar. So when you like, say unpopular, yeah. was that yeah. active unpopular? Because oh, I think people could be so sensitive, Richard Gorton. <laughs> <laughs> no, it lost in America. It, like his it books didn't selling. sell as well. And he was massive in Japan. So he used to go to Japan mm. and his second wife was um, Japanese-American and he was still popular in Europe. Um, but America, it, he, he didn't quite, he was called the last of the beats and I think it was thought he was going to be, uh, you know, as as high and famous as yeah. the others and he didn't. He didn't quite reach, he's famous for those books, but yeah. he didn't quite reach the levels and then his book stopped selling. God, I'm so interested in like the money because he sold four million copies of Trout Fishing mm, in America. That was his biggest one. So what did you spend it on, Richard? Just, well, just drugs, keep, I think. Just keep your money. At the beginning Enjoy. of the book, I mean, I'm, I'm asking you here, like mm. your, your teachers. <laughs> We've yeah. all read this book and yeah. I'm going, help me. But So at the beginning, he, he doesn't like Margaret at all. Well, he was with Margaret, with but the beginning yeah. is after the event with In Boyle. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so the so time frame, the so it's split into three books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we find out his emotions yeah. towards Margaret, then the backstory of you find out what being happened to loving her, yeah. Margaret. They what were clearly to together. They were sort of coupled up. Mm. Yeah. But he rejects her after she hang out Coupled with... up? You made it sound like Love Island. Oh, <laughs> then there was a recoupling. A recoupling. I've only seen one episode. I meant it like in a 50s way. Like they were it's coupled a, up. Oh, God. He, um... got, he got a text. Uh, it's made out of watermelon sugar. Oh, gosh. What's, what's the uh, what's the other place they go to in Love Island? Oh, Casamore. Uh, yeah. Is that, is that what yeah, that, that place is? That's, that's it. Next we to go to shacks outside of Ideth. Past Ideth is Casamore. Margaret always walks across the bridge to not for you yeah <laughs> the, the walk imagine my Margaret Jama, and Pauline are having a meeting yeah in Casa imagine my job just that walk she does going into the house but That's she it. steps on a squeaky, squeaky floorboard squeaky floorboard like, oh, no, she's here every time she's here if we had a hundred bridges that were a million miles long Maya cannot she cannot miss that floorboard that um, was something that yeah. I um I latched onto and I, I you know when you read it you're like I don't know I you have to have a confidence I think to read not in to, to, to literally read mm. but to understand it yeah. you have to read and you have to have this little voice in your head going I understand this I understand what's yeah. going on yeah. Doubt, yeah. Doubt, doubt is very off-putting yeah yeah and, you, and 
I kind of uh, I, I struggle with that a lot, especially with with novels, because I just you know I'll think, I'll kind of doubt myself constantly. Going, mm. do you know what's going on here? Yeah. Can you remember who that is? Yeah. Okay, just skip the page. No one knows. That you don't know <laughs> it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm constantly like that. Oh, I do that. Yeah. So with this book, there was a couple of things at the beginning where I'm like. Uh, like distances and he's always talking about like measurements of certain yeah. things yes or, or like the the a, a width of a river can be like a centimeter yes, and all this it's stuff. a really small river yeah and again that's where i'm doubting myself going well i don't know why he's telling me that is this a thing yeah <laughs> oh god yeah but as the book goes on it, it, it's a world where and again for somebody listening who's never read this book it space and time it exists in that he kind of you know the sun is different color every day yeah. and all that but it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter how far away something is, although there is one point where he has to walk down to Pauline's shack and it's it's, it's longer than mm. he's told it is. That really winds him up. You yeah. know? And it's also, only half a mile like, away. Charlie goes, has to walk quite far and he's old and that it's he struggles with it. That's yeah. what I... That, that stuck out to me. So there's, yeah, there's a it's lot like, of... It's like, why is he struggling if there is no time yeah. or space? Like, no, because it does exist. There is a geography outside and inside exist at the same time yeah. so you've got a living room that you have to cross under a river to get to so he's quite insistent I, yes. I, think, it's, I think it's intentional with this form like with a surrealist painter who is going the things you normally grip onto that make yeah. you feel safe because you're being told a story I will not give yep. you yeah. like, how big's that? a million miles deal with it yeah the river <laughs> the forgotten is forgotten works is a five million, miles and half million miles long. exactly yeah. and that's quite kid like you know mm. yes how, how how you know how big how you know how big was that fish a kid will stretch out their arms yeah it was that big and when he says that thing about the very small river he goes we call everything rivers yeah, yeah. So, then <laughs> he's like, oh, right. so it's not a river you're describing yeah. to me you can't put your rivers rivers mm. yeah you can't put your feet down ironically uh, yeah. on this novel like you can't every time you think you know I found that reading it every time I was like okay got it got it Margaret's here he's there and then the yeah. next thing I'd be like oh hang on no they're not there and the forgotten works is near but not near mm. and then when they reveal that Imboyle is Charlie's brother because I sort of imagine yes. this sort of creature with Imboyle yeah. it doesn't even seem almost human and then Charlie seems like this lovely old man and you're like oh so one yeah. of them has turned really badly back to the past and seems to be obsessed with the part like you're never it breaks rules yeah really constantly so there's there's, there's a description of a statue and yeah. he doesn't know who it's of yes and that, you would never have a right to tell you that here's a detail i don't know who it is there's a lot of that like at yeah, the end of the yeah. book it's a really really abrupt ending i i turned i looked for the rest i was like that can't be ending come on there must be another bit what well, when, what when um, who's the bad guy in boil in boil when he, when he rocks up and he goes Right, we're going to go down there now. I'm going to show you what eye death is. Mm. And they're like, what are you going to do? He's like, oh, you'll find out. And he keeps <laughs> saying, no one knows yes. what's going to happen. Yeah. So you're reading it going, well, don't ask me. I don't know what's going <laughs> on. And then they go down there and they cut off their noses and thumbs and kill themselves. And you're like... And they, but they all look at each other going, don't know what happened there. Yeah, yeah. That, I like, love that bit. That, oh, like One of them so 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 drunk, he keeps poking himself in the wrong places. Oh, God. But oh the, they're all pissed again. People yeah, pissed on whiskey. People, people listening go, what is this book? <laughs> they, they're all, I Boyle and his, all of his gang are all lashed on, um, on, on, uh, homemade, on whiskey. homemade whiskey. But then that's such a strange moment because it seems really important and they die in front of them. But again, the people who live in Ida's reaction is like, Oh, Pauline's fuming. She oh, well. just goes to get her mop. To oh, that's really just... that's that's a. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. last thing I Boyle sees yeah. before he dies oh, yeah. <laughs> is Pauline with a mop mopping his blood. Yeah, but so, uh, annoyedly, annoyed. Yes. Oh, you've made a mess. Yeah, no, that that's a you fantastic are a mess. Image. Yeah, yeah. But again, like 
that makes me laugh because amongst the shape-shifting, everything made out of watermelon sugar, what tickles you is then this image of a woman just sighing, mm. mopping up blood. Yeah, very domestic, isn't it? And real. bloated, yeah. bogey man just kind of just but that, dies but that's the thing about the head off, basically. When there are little moments which do feel to be reflective of the real world or real human behaviour, Pauline in that moment... The disaffected, unhappy men wanting to go and live in the past, which is the forgotten works, yeah. and drink whiskey, that feels authentic. Yeah, that's authentic. That, that decision, the fact that certain men at a certain point got unhappy with what's going mm. on, so I'm going to go and drink within boil instead and go through this, the old stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's very much what helps when you're reading like, uh, oh, is he the, is he like the, the beat Nick, and they're the the generation that you know went through World War Two and yeah, all that, yeah. mm. drinking whiskey, going, "Oh, you don't know what I yeah. death is really like." Yeah. Um, but he doesn't. <laughs> I don't think I'd be, you know, if I was someone who I don't know was born in the twenties and gone through World War Two, yeah. and I hate beatniks. <laughs> this isn't helping. This, <laughs> this isn't convincing me that I'm wrong. I'm reading it like, and, and now I ridiculous. feel very strong. Like post COVID, like if. Kids in twenty years are like, oh god, like so what? Who cares? You guys need. I know, and now I really feel for those people. Those like nineteen, like we were grown up, like being like, oh, those fifties parents were so uptight, and the sixties kids were just trying to grow their hair and be cool. And now you're like, I'm on the side of the fifties parents. They didn't fucking know what real life was. Yeah, they hadn't lived. Okay. If my, if my son in fifteen years goes, I've written a book. I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah. Everything's everything's made out of uh, Chinese five spies. And, uh, <laughs> You know, you all, you all gits are like moaning about how you had it tough. Whereas we just get on, yeah? I'd be like, I'm going to cut my nose off and my ears. I'm going to drink a bottle of whiskey and you're going to watch me die, okay? That'll, that'll show you. That's a bit of life for you. There's a horrible bit. Well, not horrible. This sort of bit this <laughs> I found really tricky where Pauline is friends of Margaret and she yeah. says after Paul, Margaret's dead... She says, this is horrible. So Pauline said, mm. I feel so bad. Why did she kill herself? Was it my fault for loving you? So there's an emotional reaction. He says, no, it was nobody's fault. Just one of those things. But we were such good friends. We were like sisters. I'd hate to think it was my fault. Don't, I said. Yeah. And I found that really, and that's the end of that piece, that chapter, if you can mm. call it a chapter. It was like, there's this, people are feeling emotions, but nobody encourages them elaborates on them which actually isn't very 1968 mm. because that was all about like you feel what you feel and we can you know like we need to get this out there and birth of psychology you know what I mean so mm. I found that really strange that people do feel in the book but nobody ever allows them anything further it's devoid of noise to, mm. to a yes, point to, yes. a, to, to a point where and it's actually uh it's it's, it's a beautiful part of the book it's it's it sums up grief because mm. grief obviously can be very violent but again to explain when margaret dies they start building her a tomb mm. and they use forgive me if i'm not getting this completely <laughs> yeah. right but like blocks of watermelon sugar but yeah but they're they clear are, they're soundless as well oh, yeah there's, yeah there's no sound there's for, for, for about like five wednesdays pages, are black and soundless yeah so for five pages of the book nothing makes a sound yeah like, oh yes by, that bit by yeah put, by like put some you put something on a table it or, doesn't make a noise yeah and, and it, it has it had a weird effect on me in that mm. I'd, I'd never i to be honest i've never read a book before where i heard that silence as yes. much as much as here yes he, he he's saying he's just describing how nothing made a sound mm. the sound of your feet on the floor or 
or the procession, the funeral procession, is in complete silence. Mm. Now, usually you read that and you can almost hear still, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, you you can't believe it. Yeah, but I I completely believe the silence here. And it was just quite, I thought, a a beautiful way of writing about, about grief in that there is that detachment of when you're grieving, you're sat there, life is still happening around mm. you, the wake, there's many people around you still drinking and chatting, but you feel detached from mm. it and silent. So behind that wall, and I'm sure in this book that wall would be made of water, <laughs> sugar. No, trout oil. That, that silence really, uh, really hit me. Mm. But it, but oddly, because there's, it's not a very loud book, it's a very gentle book. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the burbling of the river and the lanterns and... You know, it doesn't surprise me that it was big in Japan. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because I yeah. absolutely was picturing for a lot of this a beautiful Japanese garden. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a tranquility to it. And the simple. Also, they're of obsessed it. with watermelons because they yeah. invented the square ones that you could stack neatly. <laughs> Clip it up. That's the ad. <laughs> That's the ad. I thought, going back to grief, obviously, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm going to try. Oh, something always I like with you. Oh, I like to do. I really liked. Like you said, that bit about grief. But I really like this description of this land they're living in, that the dead are buried, not really buried, they're in the river in glass tombs. Yeah. And you can see them and they're lit by lanterns. I struggled, and the fish, I struggled the fish picturing this. this. Oh, I could really... Well, I think I was very Lord of the Rings picturing, like... I was getting Lord of the Rings. <clears> yeah, I was getting oh, full Lord of the Rings. Lo- Richard Broadcom would have loved to have written Lord of the Rings. He would yeah. have. That would still be around. He would have... That's too long for him. That's too much. It completely reminded <laughs> yeah. me if of you, that. Maybe yeah. if he'd kept going more than three months. <laughs> I'll be honest, though. When I read it, it took him three months. There was a tiny part of my brain that went, well, maybe I can write it I've got a parable. No one, no one needs to know that. I don't know what's happening. I could be an American classic, Last Three of the months. Beats. Three months, no problem. Three months. Fuck it, get it down. <laughs> Let's go. Vintage, hello. Uh, yeah, I, I think there is a bit in Lord of the Rings where someone is, it is, isn't it? They're placing the boat on the river. It's Boromir. And that's what it reminded me of. They put Boromir on the canoe and they sail him down, don't they? In fellowship. Yep. Yeah. So I think do that's you, what Do you know it, what she's talking about? From the film. I like, I like the first one. Yeah. All right. I like the first one. For the same reason I like this book. Mm. It's a fantastical land. Yeah. But there's nice scenes where they're like eating and... Yeah, they're jolly yeah. and they're getting on as lads, having a good time yeah. on a little I adventure. Can, I, can, I can hook on to that. Yeah. Um, Clarice, yeah. can we tell our listeners that you're a real dweeb about Lord of the Rings? <laughs> they know. They know I'm a dweeb and I, I would describe it as a, a genuine interested fan, Sarah, and not a dweeb, of a classic book. Go. And one day I was I'm going to... I was here when the friendship broke down. <laughs> He was living in San Francisco. He was part of the counterculture movement. He was like, that was the birth of a movement that yeah. we in England like are aware of, picked up on it and, you know, inspired the beat. You know, obviously it's a huge, huge movement. He was at the centre of it. Mm. How do you deal with being at the centre of a movement, writing a book that is like part of that movement yeah. and then the world moving on? That must be hard to go, oh, nobody cares about your psychedelic watermelon sugar moment So now. it would be like women in comedy. It's a moment. <laughs> and then in five years back, we're not on panel shows anymore. Well, I can believe that could ha- like, so and then, and then, that could happen. And then, and then you're just saying, hey, remember what you said about Richard Broadsigan? You yeah. just got to be fine with this. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, but even bigger than that, obviously, because the psychedelic moment was, was, it changed everything. It changed film, books, like culture, you know, the mm. drugs we take, like it's, but it's that groundbreaking. Does, but in all creative fields, 
there are trends and then there are people who they're, they, they're young, they're at the cutting edge, they're speaking on behalf of everyone, they're reflecting back to society and then they stay stuck in that. Yeah, true. And newer, younger, different I mean, he, we should people. say like he was diagnosed as schizophrenic in 1955. And treated with um, which ECT. is well before he wrote this book. Yeah, mm, and I had definitely. and yeah, okay, I didn't know yeah. That. So like he, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like it wasn't just that he wasn't popular anymore. Like he was a quite there was a lot of mental health issues yeah. and his childhood, like yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Was it? Yes, which really then, awful. I was thinking, what if I read this book when I was fifteen? Mm, I would have loved this book as a teenager. Yeah, and I, I think it, I'm not saying that that's who he wrote it for, mm. but at that age. Mm. Reading a book like this, you can see how it would maybe shape you or, or how you would think about, I guess that's what the beat poets. And yeah, yeah. That's what beatnik culture was. And I guess, like you were saying, Sarah, it moved on because those young people... Weren't young anymore. ...grow up and realise yeah, yeah. the realities of, of it all, really. So it, it's of its moment, this book, certainly, but I'm not surprised it quickly, you know, because every every young... A uh, group of people react to the past. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever young there, thing. But was, there are so. some stories. So what's hard with this is you're you're not given a real story to grip onto for reasons that we've already examined in terms of you don't have human reactions and that yeah. is what we click onto in stories. Yes, yes, that's true. So this book can't compete with Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, which will be rediscovered by every generation. Although I still enjoyed this book. Yes. And I still am like, yeah. I had never read it. I, and when I picked it up, I was a bit like, oh my but we've, God. But we've stopped I... pressing it into disenfranchised teenage boys' hands. Yeah. Whereas the Catcher in the Rye is still, still going. going. But yeah. I think it's interesting that this is still being published by Vintage as a classic and still being discovered by people. And despite us saying the world moves on, because it, because it isn't of a specific time, because it is kind of fantasy, you can still read it mm. in 2023 and still find things you relate to. Like, I still think it stands up to a read and it's a, sh it's a short read, so you've got no excuse not to. And now because it has the theme tune by <laughs> Harry Styles. I should say, The Abortion. Mm. Yes, he wrote another book called Abortion, A Historical Romance. Which is very much a story <clears throat> and is the best book I've read about abortion. Mm. About a couple travelling to Mexico for oh, a wow. termination. Wow. And it's really, really real. Is it? Real world, yeah. Can I tell you that in March 1994... A teenager named Peter Eastman Jr. from California legally changed his name to Trout Fishing in America. <laughs> and now he teaches English at Waseda University in Japan. Oh, so eating square watermelons. Yeah, he's square watermelons. <laughs> his name's Trout Fishing in America. His name is Trout Fishing in America, which to be fair, in Japanese might be easier because you'd have like four candies for that, wouldn't you? So, so wouldn't you think be? that's why he moved? <laughs> I imagine saying, sorry, Mr. Trout Fishing in America, um, this, I'm just not going to get that essay back to you. Well, if his first name is Trout, his no, surname his is whole, Fish. No, his name is Trout Fishing in America. Considering what he's wrote about before. Yeah. And the biography that you just gave, Carrie, out of yes. what he's gone through. Yeah. I, like I found like weird. I found this book quite cleansing. Mm, yeah, I know very what you mean. calm. Yeah, it's like it's very uh, delicate. Mm. Delicate and is the description on the back one from Malcolm Bradford. Mm. <laughs> oh, John! <laughs> Did you think it was delicate, fantastic, and very funny? <laughs> John read the back. Well, was it also charming and original? The Times. <laughs> uh, there we go. Again, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're like, you know. They, they might be a future guest. Don't. 
<laughs> use the quote on the back, they will. Sarah, specifically, I think Karen would have let me go. I, I Sarah, seen I've it, never yeah. seen a move so quick. Yeah. Flipped the book round and went, oh, that's interesting you say that because back of the book says it as well. <laughs> I actually meant it like that's correct. That's correct, John. You had yeah. a correct Malcolm reaction because you, you agree with Malcolm Bradbury. Del- yeah. uh, all I said was the word delicate. We're coming to the end. We all enjoyed this book very, very much. Do we have a last Let slide? end on a high. No, he said, well, he said it was delicate. I was trying to. I was trying to. Yes. I was going to say how cleansing it was yes, it and is. how beautiful it was. And he'd had yeah. such a tough life. Yeah. And he obviously, yeah. through uh, writing, mm. escaped into this dreamlike world. It's escapism, yes. It's and like a babbling brook. A teenager, you can imagine, you know, teenage years are the toughest years you'll go through. So you open this book and you can just almost float away and... In in what is a is a kind of like Boromir on the lake, yeah, like like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, it get, yeah, uh, it takes a turn at the end. But, yeah, yeah, it does take a turn. That doesn't but, happen but in Lord of the Rings. Actually, Gandalf doesn't chop his nose off. It doesn't. Uh, maybe Tolkien could have learnt a few things. It is funny though that moment. What with Gandalf? No, no that moment is when very, they all kill. When yeah, they all, it is. Like, it is. It's horrifically absurd. And in that absurdity is a kind of gross humour, definitely. Yeah, it, it's it, it kind of almost... Uh, I can't remember who wrote it now. There's a play called Uber. Richard Bordigan. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, probably... Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. it's just that kind of um, very... It's, it's You can imagine that being staged. Mm. This very theatrical, absolutely bizarre, maybe theatre of the absurd yeah. kind of moment where, like we've said, they, they, they kill themselves the way they do. And... What is absurd about it is that they keep on saying, we're doing this for a point. Mm. We're showing you. It's just so desperate and sad and yeah. weird. And like, and for something that doesn't have a lot of emotion in it, the characters, you feel a lot of emotion seeing what these people are doing. And like you said, like it's, it's horrific, it's grotesque, it's funny, it's sad, it's awful. But the characters aren't emoting. They're getting their mop and bucket and cleaning it up. Do we have a last line for for In Watermelon Sugar to say goodbye well, to us? Well, I think this line is so exceptionally beautiful. Yep. But it is the last line of Margaret. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. I, just, I just thought this was so beautiful. She took the loose end of the scarf and tied it to a branch covered with young apples. She stepped off the branch and then she was standing by herself on the air. Yeah, that's, um, that reminded me of the Seamus Heaney quote that he has on his gravestone. Walk on air against your better nature. Oof. I completely agree with you. That that line, that line hit me. You know, risk, mm. live life, doing something you don't want to do. Maybe like, just try it. And yet she's maybe, and maybe she's found that peace in in death. We got very <laughs> like that became full radio four book after we were yeah giggling the whole way through that we actually had. I think you did read this book. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. That line, though. Come back next uh, season and read all of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, we'll do a full. That's going to be three episodes. You can do Fellowship and then we'll find someone else for two towers. I'll tell, I'll tell you what's nice, though, is you obviously you read a book usually and then you put it down and, well, unless you're part of a book club or something, mm. you, you're like, well, there we go. Like, Then maybe oh, two weeks later you talk to a mate, have you ever read this? Always know. <laughs> um, I, I, I love that you've just picked that line out because obviously reading is a very private thing mm. and it does hit you and you go, oh, well, that was great. But you wonder if anyone else has noticed. So genuinely, thank you for inviting yeah, thank me Thank you so much, Thank John. you for being here. It was lovely. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Weirdos Book Club. John is on tour with his show Varnishing Days throughout October and November, and you can find him on Twitter at John's Fur Coat. Next week's book guest is Love Nina by Nina Stibby, and we will be joined by comedian and actor Rachel Paris. My novel Weirdo is available to buy in the shops, as is Cariad's book You Are Not Alone. Thank you for reading with us. We like reading with you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, uh, I probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, we, th- this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brands.